the day of Pentecost. And the last thing I want to do is compete against the Holy Ghost. Last thing I want to do is upset the flow of the Spirit. But I do feel that I'm to preach the Word of God today. So if you're praying with those tearing for the Holy Ghost, you just go right ahead doing that. If you're praying for people, you just go right ahead. You're not going to bother me at all. We've already got one baptism planned. Brother Ryan's planning on being baptized at the conclusion of service. He's brought his mom, Vicki. He's brought his aunt, Margot, his godmother, Florence, and Steph, family friend. We're so glad they're here. They're here supporting Ryan. This is a big day in his life. Amen. He's getting baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. There, and Sister Salma has also brought Layla, their granddaughter, and Allie to church today, and one of them was up praying. It's good. We're trusting in God. God would move. God would have his way in their lives. I'm excited about what God is doing. And God is still moving. God is still ministering. If you have your Bibles, if you'd stand for the reading of the word, I'd like to go to the book of Acts chapter 2. I know that's not a surprise to many. We'll begin reading at verse 46, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 also need to remember to pray for Lorraine Shepherd, who's in need of a healing touch. They're in rehab in the 90s, broke her femur. And is in rehab. We need to remember her. Lord, touch Lorraine. If you're there, Acts 2.46, this is the word of God. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Elder Thompson, will you pray over the remainder of this service? Amen, and you may be seated. Lord, just have your way. Today is Pentecost Sunday. The day when we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you something. Has the outpouring of the Holy Ghost changed your life? The outpouring of the Holy Ghost changed my life. Our bishop, he just celebrated the other day his 60th spiritual birthday. 60 years being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
I tell you what, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, it changes you. It changes us forevermore. It changes the direction we're hot, we were heading, the direction we're walking toward. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It changes us. But the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, it is known as the Feast of Weeks. It is when the children of Israel would go down into Jerusalem and they would celebrate the harvest that they had just reaped from the field. This is known as the Feast of Weeks, and it is Pentecost. Pentecost means 50 days, and the Feast of Weeks was 50 days after the Feast of the Spirit, or Feast of the First Fruits. This is what God told them in Deuteronomy 16, 10, 11, and 12. And you shall keep the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a free will offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. The Feast of Weeks was to be a free will offering that they would offer freely to God. The first feast was the Feast of First Fruits, when they would praise God and worship Him for allowing them to plant a harvest. And the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after they had reaped the harvest, they were to take the wheat that they had collected from the fields and they were to make two loaves of bread. And those loaves of bread typically within the Jewish community and in the law of Moses was commanded to always be unleavened bread. But in the Feast of Weeks, the bread was told by God to be leavened, to put leaven in the bread. And they would take those two leavened, which means the bread was risen, and they would wave those before God. It was a wave offering. And it's how that they would begin to celebrate Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. A free will offering. It had to be offered from their very hand. It had to be rejoiced, he told them in Deuteronomy, that you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. That the free will offering would be rejoiced before them. He said, you will go do this in Jerusalem at the place the Lord your God has chosen. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. There's many things that was going on in the scripture here during the Feast of Weeks. At the Pentecost that they traveled to, number one was out of their own free will. That they made a trip to Jerusalem. And the offering that they brought had to have been baked in their homes. It had to be made by their hands. And they had to lift their hands with the bread. And they would begin to wave it around. And it was at the time and the place that God had chosen for them to do that. And finally, one of the requirements for them was that they had to remember that they once were slaves. And now they had been set free. So they had to remember what God had done for them on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, they had to wait upon God for the chosen moment, the chosen place that they were called to go. And on the day of Pentecost, they were to rejoice before the Lord with their family. They were to offer the offering with a wave offering of bread before the Lord and out of their own free will. The Pentecostal experience that the people had back when Peter stood up and he began to preach over 2,000 years ago is the same Pentecost experience that we have today. 
that there's people in this house that you made up your mind today out of your own free will and you said, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to get before God and with my own hand I'm going to offer Him myself. With my own hands I'm going to wave them before the Lord and I'm going to say, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my salvation. In Him will I trust. It's the same day here that it was 2,000 years ago. We've got young ones that were tarrying for the Holy Ghost. We're trusting God will fill them by the time this service is over. We've got somebody praying back through to the Holy Ghost right now. This is a Pentecostal experience. One where we don't just experience a preacher talking, but we experience the anointing of the Spirit. We experience the moving of the Spirit. We experience the forgiveness of the Spirit. We experience the draw of the Holy Ghost. Remember that we were slaves. We remember that. John says this in chapter 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We know the truth, and the truth has set us free. I know that I'm looking at a bunch of wonderful, beautiful people. You've got nice clothes on, you've cleaned up, you look like you got your act together. But what I'm really looking at is a bunch of people that once in our lives we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to a bad lifestyle. We were slaves to our addiction. We were slaves in a broken home. We were slaves in a broken marriage. We were slaves in a broken darkness. But once the Lord in the Word of God came to us, it began to set us free because we understood that there is a God that still saves, a God that is still pouring out His Spirit, a God that is still washing away sins. I'm looking at a bunch of ex-slaves that have come out of bondage, that have come out of darkness, that have come into His marvelous light. It says that if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. Is there anybody in the house that you have been set free by the Word of God? Come on, is there any testimonies in the house that you have been set free from the sins of bondage? That you have been set free from the shackles that kept you down? Right now you are participating in the true Pentecost. You're standing before God being a testimony, saying, I have been set free by the word of the Lamb and the testimony. I have been set free by the Son. And if God has set me free, if Jesus has broke the chains that were around me, there ain't nothing going to bind me again. There isn't nothing going to drag me back into prison again. I'm never going back to where he brought me out of. That's a Pentecostal experience. I was talking to my wife this week. She's telling me that well, we were just talking about the ministry a little bit. Tonight, down in Santiago, Pastor Fabian, he's going to be playing a message that I recorded for him and his church on the day of Pentecost. 
And I told her in a little bit of moment of vanity, I said, you know, when I was a young man in, in Bible college, it was my dream to be able to preach overseas. I said, I, it was something that I wanted. I just wanted the experience of it. I had never been able to travel to another country, and I heard all these missionaries tell me of, of great times and wonderful cultures and, and wonderful moves of God. And I said, I want to experience that, Brother Larry. I want to go to another country. I want to be able to preach overseas. I, I want to be able to, to, to go and, and experience a new, not a, not a new Pentecost, but a different culture that's worshiping the same Pentecost. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, most people, it probably wouldn't matter to them. I said, but I, I just feel like it's pretty cool that I'm able to preach to people in South America and in Michigan on the same day, on the same day of Pentecost. I think that's pretty cool. And we, we were talking about that, and I said, you know, when I was young, I, I wanted that experience so bad. I wanted to experience other countries and, and preaching the Word of God in foreign nations. I wanted the experience. She said, you know, yeah, she said, but... We were talking about the generations of today, and she said most of them seem to be fulfilled if you just tag them in the experience. And if you just you tag a person's name, they can pull up your experience, and they can look at the photos that you did, and they're good with that. That that's fulfilling. And I said, where is the young generation that is dreaming of experiencing a Pentecostal move in foreign countries? Where is the younger generation that is dreaming of experiencing revivals right out in our front lawn? That is dreaming of experiencing people being filled with the Holy Ghost while the preacher's preaching? That I don't want a hashtag experience on the day of Pentecost. But I want a personal experience before the Lord on the day of Pentecost. I don't want a hashtag Pentecostal experience. I want an in-person, real, live, explosive, powerful spirit of the Lord experience on Pentecost Sunday. I know that I'm preaching to the choir, everybody, you're here in person. But what God wants you to know is that you have come into an apostolic Pentecostal church today and it wasn't by circumstances that were just a roll of the dice, but it was by the leading of the will of God, by the hand of God, His purpose in your life. The reason He has brought you here is so that you might see, you might hear, you might feel, you might participate in a Pentecost experience. The Pentecost experience was a free will sacrifice saying, Lord, I give myself to you on the day of Pentecost. Lord, I'm going to give you a wave offering with before you on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, Lord, 
I'm going to rejoice with my family for you have saved our souls. You have changed our lifestyle. You have brought peace when there was chaos. You have brought light in the midst of darkness. Lord, you have made sense of a chaotic situation. God, you put hope in my heart. You put liberty in my soul. You put worship in my heart. You put joy in my mouth. You put freedom in my step. Oh, Lord, your words ring true on the day of Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost when they would wave that bread that was just a foreshadow of what God was going to do. Hear the word of God, John 6. 31, this is what the Lord says. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus looked at them and said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. On the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, when Peter stood up among them, it wasn't loaves of bread that was being waved. It was the bread of life in the name of Jesus that was being lifted up. It was the bread of life that was being consumed on the day of Pentecost. Ladies, it's not our custom and it is not the commandment of the Word of God that you bake bread and you bring it in here and we're, we're waving loaves of bread before the Lord. See, God is the bread of life. But it is His will and it is His Word of God that we come into the house of the Lord with praises, with thanksgiving, and we lift up His name and we begin to wave His glory before Him. Glorious is the Lord of God. Holy is the Lamb of God. That's what we do on the day of Pentecost. We come to this church and we have a free will offering of ourselves. Peter began to stand up with them on the day of Pentecost. And he began to preach to them about Jesus. He was preaching to them about the name of Jesus. He preached to them about how the prophet Joel had prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He said, this was prophesied by Joel, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He began to tell the people that. What people was he telling? He was telling all of the men of Israel that had traveled down into Jerusalem because of Pentecost, because of the Feast of Weeks. Remember when we read? It was the ordained word of God in the law of Moses that said three times a year all the men of Israel will come down into my place of my choosing with my name and my city and they're going to present themselves before me. The people had traveled and 
were having an in-person experience. They were going to have a Pentecostal experience because they left their homes, their jobs, their vacations, their to-do list, and they said, I've got to go and present myself before the Lord. Peter preached to them. He began to tell them of what had just happened. Well, Peter, what had just taken place to you? Acts 2, 1, this is what had just happened on the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, that they were all together in one place. Unity. We are all in this house together. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That had just taken place because God had told them he said in Acts 1-4, he said, go into Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father. So they were sitting in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And just as it was promised to them, God kept his promise. And it is promised to you, and God has been keeping his promise. And it is promised to those that are seeking him, and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Savannah, you keep praying, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. It is His will. <laughs> so Peter then, filled with the Holy Ghost, who had just spoken in other tongues, he stands up on the street corner because of the people walking by the house had heard the commotion. Like the commotion going on right there. You hear it. You wonder what's going on over there. You hear the tongues and you think, what's happening over there? It was the same situation on the day of Pentecost. But then Peter stood up and he began to preach the promise of the Father. I want you to know that if you are here today, that the promise that Peter preached is the same promise that we believe we experience and we see fulfilled today that the promise that was to Peter and to the apostles and to the first church wasn't only to Peter and it wasn't only to the apostles and it wasn't only to the first church. It was for the church of God that would live until his return. You sit here today and you witness the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You see and hear with your own ears that people are speaking in other tongues. It is evidence that it was not just for the church, first church, but it is for the church that we live in today. He told them. He said God's going to pour out His Spirit. And they began to listen to the preacher and they began to, to feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon them. 
And they said to Peter in verse 37, Brothers, what shall we do? What he was saying is, what do we need to do, Brother Anthony, to be saved? How can we receive the salvation that was just poured out in the upper room? We need what you've caught. We want what you've caught. We believe what you're preaching, preacher. When they asked what they must do, Peter utters Acts 2.38. It is the most straightforward verse in the entire Bible of how a Christian starts salvation. How a Christian experiences the new birth. There is no clearer verse in the entire scripture on what the new birth is. Peter delivers it. The first message after the great commission where God told them, he said, you go into all nations and teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Peter was sitting there at their feet. And he heard this. This is the same Peter that God said upon the confession of your faith, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And upon this confession, upon this revelation, upon this doctrine that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, upon this revelation, I will build my entire church. This cannot be overlooked. It cannot be understated. Many Christians want to sweep right past this. Not so. Who is the chief cornerstone? And the cornerstone is the strongest part of the foundation when the entire house is built around upon Jesus. Everything in a modern-day Christian life is built around Christ. Everything we do, everything we say, and how we live is centered around Jesus. Jesus is the center of our heart, of our house, of our job, of this service right now. I tell you a truth. That I'm speaking in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Not in the name of the Father. Not in the name of the Son. And not in the name of the Holy Ghost as titles. In the name of the Father, which is Jesus. In the name of the Son, which is Jesus. In the name of the Spirit, which is Jesus. Peter understood this when they said it on the Great Commission. Peter went and he waits for the promise of the Father. And when he was asked for the first time in his life, Peter had never answered this question before in this context. Peter, the great apostle, Pope Peter, when asked for the first time how a modern-day Christian should be saved, how can I be saved? He replies with this. And Peter said unto them, Repent, number one. Repent. Lord, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for the way I'm living. I'm sorry for the way I'm acting. I'm sorry for the way I'm talking. I'm sorry for the way I'm thinking. I'm sorry for sins in my life. Peter said, When you want to know what to do, to be saved, number one, is repentance. Repent. 
worse and said, I'm sorry and I need you. He said, then be baptized every single one of you. Not some, not you over there and you over there, but the middle's exempt. Every single one of you be baptized. Now he had every opportunity at this point to quote the Lord in 2819 of Matthew. Peter could have said right here and there, but you need to be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Don't you think that the greatest apostle who is going to preach the greatest message ever, don't you think, because it's wrote in the Word of God, therefore it means it's inspired of God, correct? So it's as if God was putting his stamp of approval on this. Don't we think that the first time that the greatest apostle and the greatest message on the greatest day on earth, don't we think that when he get ready to open his mouth, that he would, he would mess it up? Not a chance. He would make an error? Not a chance. But the first time that Peter got to open his mouth to this entire world that would be recorded and preached over 2,000 years later, said that you need to be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus. That's why the scripture says there is no other name that we are saved by. There is no other name. It is the name of Jesus. And so Peter says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he goes on to say that it's not completed there, but he says when you've been baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the day of Pentecost that Peter preached baptism in Jesus' name and in filling of the Holy Ghost. He goes on to say, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Let me ask you something. Has God called you to himself? If you think God's called you to himself, raise your hand before him. The word of God says that everyone that he's called to himself, that everyone that he has called to himself, it is commanded that we should be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and baptized in the Spirit of God. I understand that I'm preaching to a lot of people. You've already had the new birth experience, but there are some that have not. And there are some that need to be renewed. There are some that need to remember that, hey, whatever's going on in our life right now isn't that bad. Because there is a God in heaven that's in control. That there's a Pentecostal experience that I can have. That God will wash away my sins. God will forgive. And God will put his spirit in my heart. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a Pentecostal experience today, and it's not enough just to show up. It wasn't enough just to be in that street when Peter was preaching. They had to have a heart that said, I needed to be saved. Tell me what I must do. If you're here today and you have not been baptized 
in the name of Jesus Christ, I invite you to find me, find Brother Larry, find an elder, find somebody in this church and they'll get a hold of me. We've got a baptismal already going to take place and there's room and there's time enough for more than you just, Brother Ryan. I'd like to see everybody that's not been baptized in the name of Jesus get baptized today on Pentecost Sunday for the remission of your sins. Ananias told Paul, why tarriest thou? I would say to all that need to know the Pentecost experience, why do you wait? Why do you linger? Arise and be baptized in the name of Jesus, calling on the Lord. He said to them, or they, verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls folks if you'd stand and if the musicians would come it is Pentecost Sunday 2021 And the doctrine has not changed. The way of salvation has not changed. The new birth experience and the formula, the commandment in Scripture, has not changed. If you were baptized with the method of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I would strongly encourage you to consider being rebaptized in the name of Jesus today. For the Father, Son, Holy Ghost is just mere titles. We've got to go down in the name of Jesus. Baptism is only the first half. The completion, the second half of the new birth is being filled with the Holy Ghost. The way you get the Holy Ghost, number one, is by faith. You must believe that Jesus is God. That's it. When you believe in God, when you believe in Jesus, all you got to do, it's not complicated, it's not hard. You've just got to come to a place. Sometimes people raise their hands. Sometimes people bury their head in their hands. Sometimes people are on their hands and knees. Sometimes they're sitting in their pew. But it's with your heart that you speak to God and you say, God, I want to receive your spirit. God, I want to be filled with your Holy Ghost. And when you begin to worship God in faith, and you begin to say, Lord, you're the lover of my soul. I love you, God. I want to serve you, God. I want to be changed. I want to be different. God, I admire you. I adore you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Ghost. You're going to be praying in English in your mind. Hear me. In your mind, in your thoughts, you'll be speaking in English. In your mind, 
Your mind will be saying, Lord, I love you. Your mind will be saying, Lord, I worship you. In your mind, you'll be saying, Lord, I can't leave until I've changed. In your mind, you'll be praying things. And with your mind, you will understand what you're saying in your mind. But with your faith, you surrender your mouth and your tongue. You surrender your body to the Spirit of God. And you'll feel your mouth begin to tremble and quake. You'll feel your tongue begin to move and, and form syllables you've never spoken before. Sometimes people can be afraid of that new experience or uncomfortable with it or not know what to do. You don't have to do anything. The Spirit will do it for you. But in your mind, continue to talk to Him. But open your mouth. You can't get the Holy Ghost if your mouth's closed. You've got to open your mouth. And you've got to begin to let the Spirit of God flow through you. And when you speak in tongues, that is the evidence that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you have the Holy Ghost and the baptism in the name of Jesus completed in your life, the new birth experience is fulfilled. And salvation has entered into your heart and into your life. I have preached the word of God. Say amen. I'm opening this altar. I know we've got one baptism and there's there's time for multitudes. And before you come, I just want to make the invitation. If you're here today, you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, please consider it. Don't walk out of these doors without your sins being washed away in the name of Jesus. If you've been baptized and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I encourage you to seek it and to tarry it and to believe in it with all your heart today to begin to just find a place in prayer a place in this altar, a place in your pew, wherever you feel comfortable, wherever you can believe at. And begin to say, God, I need the Holy Ghost. I need to complete the new birth. I need to speak in tongues because I'm not going to stop serving you. I'm not walking away from this. Let's complete this, Lord. Let's go all the way, God. And if you're here and maybe it's been a long time since you spoke in tongues, maybe it's been a long time since you came to this altar. It's been a long time since you felt it. There's not a better opportunity than been refilled with the Holy Ghost and rejuvenated in the Lord of the God, in the joy of the Lord, than today. I want to have a Pentecost experience on the day of Pentecost. God, I'm here in person. And I'm offering my free will to you, God. I'm yours. Lord, I'm a servant of you. Come on, let's begin to lift our hands towards heaven and talk to him all over this house. God, I'm here on the day of Pentecost. And I'm offering myself as a sacrifice on the altar, God. 
Lord, I need you. I need more of you, God. This altar's open for anyone that would like to come forward into the altar before the Lord and say, God, Lord, take me there, God. Take me to the Pentecost experience, God. Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I serve you, God. I need to speak in tongues again. Lord, I need to speak in tongues for the first time. Lord, I need my sins forgiven, God. I'm sorry. Lord, I plead the blood of the Lamb over this place, over every individual. 